But I want to say hello to you, whether you're brand new, whether you're a veteran around these parts. I also want to do something a little different. I'm going to give you guys kind of like a, a Diet Coke sermon. Not, not quite like that full-fledged longer sermon. We'll do like a Diet Coke sermon today. And I want to start off by telling you a little bit of my story. Uh, I grew up in a family of eight, an Air Force family of eight, and I moved a lot. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family as well. I knew the Lord from a young age, but I don't think I really fully understood uh, what that relationship meant until I was older. But that was uh, one stage of my life was my childhood. And then I turned 17, I graduated high school, and then I went off to the next stage of my life for me, and that was college. I got my undergrad, my Bachelor of Arts in Theater Arts, and that was my college years. But uh, spiritually, I was kind of straying, if I'm honest, because I really didn't have a firm foundation uh, for my faith. And then I graduated college, and I got that degree, and I was an actor. I was a professional actor doing theater and then film and commercial work for years in Los Angeles, and then Chicago. That was the next stage of my life. Uh, I was an actor. And then when I was 28, my life kind of all came to a head, and uh, I felt that I wasn't really willing to keep pursuing that singular pursuit of acting. Uh, I felt at 28, I wasn't willing to keep giving up all that life stuff uh, to be an actor anymore. And uh, by a series of events, I moved on to the next stage of my life by enlisting in the United States Army, of all places. And I was a broadcast journalist for five years. That was the next stage of my life. I was a soldier. And while I was stationed in uh, South Korea, God really got a hold of me. For the first time, I think I really fully understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, to really submit all of my life and actually be a disciple of his that's going to disciple others. And that stage of my life as a soldier was also a sponging stage of my life. And shortly after that, God called me to ministry. And after my five years of serving, I got out of the military in 2017 as a missionary and also a seminary student. That was actually the next stage of my life. My family moved to Denver, Colorado. I was a full-time seminary student, but also a missionary, a church planning catalyst. That was the next stage of my life, was there for three years. And then we were planning to go to Japan for our next stage of life. Many of you guys may not know that. Uh, we had a huge drawing and a broken heart and a call to go to Japan as long-term missionaries. We had been over there before, done some ministry there. And for five plus years, we were tracking that being our next stage in life, but plans changed. Uh, some of you guys know the story. Some of you don't know the story, but uh, two Julys ago, we were officially appointed to go to Japan with a mission agency called OMF, the longest historied agency in East Asia. And the day after, the day after we got appointed to go to Japan, I was rushed to the ER with symptoms of a heart attack. It was the most traumatizing, most scary, most difficult situation, scenario, stage of my life. My wife was pregnant with our second child at the time. I had my young daughter, Safira, as well. And I'm being rushed to the ER, thinking to myself, this is it. I'm leaving behind my wife and my daughter and my future child. It was horrible. It's the worst thing I ever experienced. Don't wish it upon anyone. 
Thankfully, it wasn't a heart attack. Apparently, it was a foodborne illness that brought upon a panic attack and then showed all the symptoms of a heart attack. And that's why I was rushed with symptoms. But it's the time afterward that I really wasn't uh, expecting and prepared for. For those of you who know me, I'm a pretty calm, cool, collected cucumber, if you will. Not a high, strong, high emotions kind of guy. But for the first time in my life, this stage of my life, I struggled heavily with anxiety, with panic, with negative thoughts, things that have never been a part of my past, but now are a part of my present. That was the stage of my life I found myself in. And God used it. God used it to show me blind spots, show areas of my life, areas in my heart that I hadn't fully given over to the Lord. And God did something really unexpected. He redirected us. He re redirected us from Japan to this ministry you guys might have heard of. It's called God Squad Church. That's when we really started plugging into God Squad Church. And not only were we ministered to in an amazing level and, and a new level for me, but now this people, these geeks and gamers that my wife and I have always had a love for, that we've always loved being around and being among. Now for me, for the very first time in my life, I had a deeper empathy, a deeper understanding, a deeper bond with geeks and gamers as I learned that the things that I was going through are very prevalent in the geek and gamer world. And God started doing a work in me and in my wife. And to make a long story short, you could probably see where this is going. He redirected us away from Japan, where we had fully expected that we were headed to now God Squad Church and to make a way and an opportunity to serve where there was a need. And that's where I came. That's where I am. I'm your discipleship pastor here at God Squad Church. Those are the different stages of my life that God has used. Another way of looking at it, looking at my life, maybe another way of looking at your life up to this point is viewing it through seasons. Today's passage that I want to look at is about just that. And it's from my personal favorite book of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, some of you might be familiar with that book and you're sitting there being like, what the what, what? Who, whose favorite book is the book of Ecclesiastes? Well, you've met someone. It's me. My favorite book is the book of Ecclesiastes. Would you guys read along with me? We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3. I'm going to first look at verses 1 through 8. And I'm just going to read the words from this passage. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, 
a time for war and a time for peace. As many of you now know, this is my final week serving all of you as the discipleship pastor of God Squad Church. Before my wife and I arrived at the conclusion that God was moving us, moving our family onto another season of life, we had the task of discerning what God's leading was. For us, it came down to two very simple things. There's, of course, lots of nitty-gritty details, but for us, it was two things. First, as many of you may already know, but maybe this is news to you, weeks ago, actually two months ago, uh, my eldest sister passed away suddenly at the age of 42, leaving behind a husband and three kids, an unbelieving family as well. Uh, like I said, I come from a family of eight. The eldest sister now taken from us leaves a huge gaping hole, not only in our family, but in our hearts. And that's, and that was and still is very difficult for us, something that we have grieved, are grieving, and will continue to grieve. And for the first time in my life, I had a draw. I had an inkling. I had a feeling. I had some sort of communi communication from God telling me that Aaron, Winkari, Pastor Wynn, you need to be near family. Now, let me set that up for you for a second. My entire life, I've never had that draw. Even though I've got a big family, I love them very much. We've done a lot. We've seen a lot. I've never had that draw, that desire to live near family. I mean, heck, we were going to go to Japan for 20, 30 plus years as church planners. We would have seen our family maybe once every five years in that career, in that ministry. But now for the first time in my life, I felt God speaking to me to say, Aaron, you, your wife, your family, you need to be near them. That was one big part of it. But another one was this. God Squad Church has been life-changing for me. I think it's been life-changing for many people, for you guys. And just serving as your discipleship pastor for only over three months now, it's been amazing to see what the church is doing and is going to continue to do. But I found God also speaking something else to me. And I was wrestling with this question that I would challenge all of you in, which is to always, always, always ask the question, God, how could I best be used for your kingdom? It's a very simple question. God, how can I be best used for your kingdom? And I felt God speaking to my heart, to my soul to say, Aaron, Winkari, Pastor Wynn, you're a starter. I want you to start something. I want you to be near family and I want you to start something ministry-wise. So I want you guys to hear that from me for, for two very simple reasons. One, I want you to hear it because it's my heart. I always want that full disclosure, that, that candor with you. But I also want you to know, especially in a church environment that you guys may have been a part of in the past or are now, whenever leadership changes, that, that can be tricky sometimes, right? The devil usually wants to work in that, unfortunately. And I wanted to be honest with you as I've been honest with the staff and everyone else where and how God has led us moving forward. So there's no room for gossip or questions of intentions, agendas, things like that. I want to affirm 100% to you, to all of you today, that I am so proud and grateful to have served at God Squad Church. 
Every single person on this staff has the biggest heart of anyone I've ever seen. And I want to affirm to all of you, as well as the staff here, that their hearts are for you. They do this ministry for you. Yes, they do it for God, but they do it for you. And I want to affirm that. I want you to hear that from me as someone who is feeling led to step out of this position and move on to the next season of my life. Well, let's stop there. Let's not make it about me anymore. Let's, let's make it about us. Maybe, just maybe you are in a season right now where you're trying to discern what God is leading you in or out of. And if that's the case, I've got three pieces of encouragement and advice for you in that decision-making, that discerning process. The first one is this, seek God instead of the decision. Seek God instead of the decision. It's really easy to fall into the trap of making a pros and cons list, right? We've all done it. We see it in the TV shows, the movies, right? It's really easy to do that. It's really easy to make your decisions and your thoughts based simply on worldly factors, on emotional factors. While these things may very well weigh into a decision, sure. The reality is it's not really about the decision, but it's about God's will. So how do we do that? How do we seek God's will if we're trying to discern, navigate a season going in and out, making a life change, etc.? It's very simple. You seek him. And you seek him in many different ways. There's many ways that he's seeking you, but you seek him in his word. Someone said once that if you had a love letter from someone, what would you do over it? What would you do with them? Let's be honest. Like if you had love letters, you'd be like, oh, love letters. Mm, oh, love letters. You know, read it 80 billion times. That's what you do with a love letter, right? I kid, I kid. But seriously, think about it. God has given us 66 love letters. Do we treat them the same? Do we? It's a great reminder for all of us to seek him in his word and his gift that he's given us. We can seek him through prayer. Seek him through fasting. Maybe just maybe you actually seek God through godly people in your life. Who's in your life? Who's someone you look up to spiritually? Do you have a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a mentor, someone discipling you? These are all things that you can do to seek God instead of the decision. And if you do those things, you're on the right track for understanding his will and having peace about his will for your life. The second thing is this. Approach every season with an open palm. Approach every season with an open palm. Some of you have struggled in the past or, or some of you are currently struggling right now with navigating seasons or discerning when to move on to the next one. Now, when I say approach every season with an open palm, think of it this way. We're going to use the greatest uh, baseball team of all time as our illustration here, the Chicago Cubs. Hashtag go Cubs go. When I say approach every season with an open palm, think of what you're going through as what you're holding 
in your palm. This is the thing, this is the season, the relationship, the scenario, etc. That's what you're going through right now. You're holding it in your palm. Some of you are so quick to let go of the season that you're not gripping the ball at all. You're not interested at all. You're not investing. You're not being present and all. And what happens when you do that? You're going to keep dropping it, aren't you? You're just going to keep dropping it because you're just so quick. You're not invested. You're not present. And then guess what happens? God's the one that keeps putting it back in your hand. God is the one that keeps returning it to your life because you're not holding on to it correctly. You see this? God's doing that every time he's putting it back in your hand. I want to speak to some others of you. Some of you are gripping onto that season so hard. That thing, that job, that relationship, you're gripping it so hard that God has to actually slap your hand just so you'll let go, just so that you will move on to the next season that he has in store for you. You're like the guy in this picture. You're like the guy in this picture we're going to put up on the screen. So right below me, fall has turned to winter and you're still dressed for summer. You're still in shorts and a short sleeve shirt. You're trying to do summer things when in reality, it's winter. And what was right and appropriate for then is not what is right and appropriate for now. Instead, approach the season you're in appropriately with an open palm. It's tight enough that you're investing, that you're being present in your current season. But it's also loose enough that you allow for God to replace it. Dora. That you allow for God to replace it and move on to the next season if or when he wills it. Let me say that again. The season that you're in, you want it to be tight enough that you're investing, being present with what God has given you in your current season, but also loose enough that you're allowing for God in his timing and his will to replace it. He is the one that replaces, not you. And you move on to that next stage, the next season, the next job, the next relationship that he has for you. Lastly, as it concerns trying to understand and comprehend the seasons that are facing us, have a godly perspective. Let's move on to the next part of our passage. It's going to show us how to have a godly perspective. Ecclesiastes 3, the next verses 9 through 15 says this. And again, guys, this is right after that speech, those words of the different seasons. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This 
is the gift of God. I know that everything God does in, will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account. This passage teaches us to zoom out, to zoom out, to see our circumstances, our trials, our jobs, our relationships, our seasons of life from God's perspective, not our own. Because let's be honest, from our perspective, sometimes it is too hard. From our perspective, it is too difficult to see ahead. In our perspective, it's beyond our understanding sometimes, and, and sometimes it's beyond our comprehension. But when we view our seasons from God's perspective, from God's vantage point, we're reminded that he is in charge, that he knows what is best. He uses it for good. He has all knowledge and power. He is sovereign and eternal over the ever-changing seasons of our life. I want to close by providing an extremely important reminder, however, about seasons. Particularly if you're listening, you're watching this, and you're in the midst of a difficult one. And that's this. Many of life's seasons are a result of the tragic reality of the fall. Let me say that again. Many of life's seasons, guys, they're just simply a result of the tragic reality of the fall. This passage that we read, it's not meant to tell us just to suck it up. Suck it up, buttercup, snowflake. I had a buddy growing up. He'd say, you know, Aaron, life sucks, then you die. That's not what this passage tells us. Although our passage reminds us that there is a time to die. Did you guys hear those words? There's a time to die, to kill, to tear down, to weep, to mourn to give up, to hate, and even for war, it also reminds us that life is hard, the world is broken for a reason. God created a world that was free of those things. But because of our own sin against him, we invited the consequences of sin into this world. We invited the consequences of sin, some of the difficult seasons that you find yourself in today because we chose it for ourselves. We chose the brokenness ourselves when we sinned against him. But I want you to know this also. God loves us so much that he promises a day when sin will be no more. The broken world that we live in will be made new once and for all, when there will only be one season, 
peace. Revelation 21, the first four verses of that passage tells us this. I want you to listen very closely and grab on to hold on to this promise to claim. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The past three months serving as your discipleship pastor has been a season of joy and happiness for me and my family. I want to be uh, very honest and open with you to say thank you for letting me learn alongside you. And I will always cherish my time here and the relationships that I built with each and every one of you. I look forward, personally, I look forward to seeing what God continues to do through this church, through this staff, and through all of you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are speechless when we read your word. We're humbled by your word. We're convicted by your word. Lord, I thank you for our passage in Ecclesiastes today. I thank you that it convicts us. It helps us see our blind spots. It helps us see where we're gripping too tightly onto a season. It helps us see when we're not gripping tight enough in a season that we're in. Lord, I would pray that you'd meet every person that's here today. Meet them exactly where they're at, Lord. Remind them that you are God and they are not that they may fear you, but they might also love you at the same time. That they may hold on to that promise that they can claim in your name as their adopted sons and daughters. That there will only be one season in the future, Lord, and we look forward to that never-changing season in light of the ever-changing seasons we're in, Lord, and that's peace. We thank you that through the work and the person, ministry of your son, Jesus Christ, that we have that promise to claim. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for this staff. I pray for this congregation. And I pray for those in the future that are going to be ministered through God Squad Church, Lord, that you would continue to use this church mightily for your name and for your glory, that it would build daily, that you would add numbers daily, that you would remind this church, this staff, these leaders, this congregation, Lord, that they are united in nothing else but your Son, your Spirit, and in you, our Father, Lord. I thank you for the privilege to serve as discipleship pastor here, Lord. 
I pray that this culture of disciples making disciples would continue exponentially as we move on to our next transition, our next season in life, Lord. We love you. We honor and praise your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.